All right. Here it is. Again. And it's called. I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. Punk rock is about three chords, four if you want. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. Hey everybody, I'm Joseph. And I'm Rob. Welcome to the fall 1977 edition of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1976 to 1986. Well, punk is here, man. I mean, this is this is a great playlist. I I don't know about you. Now, there's, there's some... some songs on this playlist some albums on this playlist that we have have covered already and some that are new to me and i have to say the ones that are new to me i really love them so you know how every rundown episode i go this is the best playlist yet (laughs) yeah well this is the best playlist. that no that tradition (laughs) stop stops here okay for me i mean this is a this is a solid playlist yeah but Summer of '77 uh-huh. was yeah. killer. It so, was killer. So yeah. this that that was like almost all wheat, no shaft. This mm-hmm. has got some high points and some pretty low sure. points. Sure. So, um, but but there there are also r- some really really great songs. And let's just jump into uh, yeah, this is song. another song that would go on to that playlist I keep threatening about making of the first wave balls out punk songs, um, Young Savage by Ultravox. The Jekyll height of you, I can't survive the tide of you, the vicious style of love, the whining, pits and pendulums of lying. I don't see how you survive in online world, you're advertising, sneaky features, pacing, waiting, This song was not on the original release of Ultravox's Ha Ha Ha, their second album. Uh, it was a single, and it was put on to re-releases. I found that out about an hour ago. Now that's 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 funny because I was going to say something to you that that it, it was oh, okay. it was on a bonus track, and and yeah. you know, but but that's okay. I mean, this is our podcast, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, I and I was. I've known this song for many, many, many years because it was on a compilation that I had when I was in high school. Oh, yeah. And I've always loved this song. Yeah. Um, So this was Ultravox's second album. This album is more like consistently punk than their their first album. Mm. 
wow, what a great album this is. I Yeah, I agree. It's really a good album. I mean, who would have yeah. thought that Ultravox, which I've always known as sort of a, you know, a smooth synth synth pop band started out as a pretty great punk band. Well, the interesting thing is that Young Savage was really, it was dubbed a true punk song. Um, but yeah. Ultravox, they denied that it was really a punk song. They, they felt that it was more of a kind of a psychedelic song because of uh, the keyboards in it. But uh, man, it I don't know. It's you a know punk what? Song. They can say whatever they want. The they proof can. is in the pudding. Yep. <laughs> this is <laughs> right. This is balls out punk as it's far punk. as I'm concerned. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. So Ultravox, two for two. I mean, I, I, I think they have one more album before they um, take a hard pivot into mm-hmm. synth pop. Mm-hmm. But I think that later on down the road, when we revisit our top 10 punk al- um, bands, Ultravox might make an appearance if things keep going in the direction that they're going. I, I think this is a great album. Yeah. So, anything else about um, Ultravox's Ha 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 you want to say before? Oh, uh, only that. Uh, only that. I love this album more than the last. That's it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So we have got an action-packed episode we have got so much stuff to to (laughs) to get in that we are going to streamline this so that we can fit everything in um so at the end of this episode i know a lot of a lot of people and i do this with with podcasts that i subscribe to quite often when it gets towards the end and they they start wrapping up i just stop listening and skip to the next episode mm-hmm. please don't do that on this one because we're we're going to spend some time talking about all of the exciting stuff that we're doing next month so all of next month is going to be a celebration of 1977 yeah. and we're going to um we're going to ask you to chime in to help us pick the best albums of 1977 so please stick around so we can give you the details on that um, <clears throat> because we have so much to go through we're gonna we're gonna do something we've never done before which is a couple of these albums we're just going to talk about but we're not going to play a song because they're from albums that we've already covered yeah. in um previous episodes and uh we're we're also going to forego our our whole what happened this month or this season in 1977 so let's just um jump on to the next album which is one of the albums that we are not going to play a song off of because we heard two songs off of david bowie's heroes um when we did the deep dive on david bowie part one that was episode 2a um so this album every time i listen to it i like it a little bit more how how are you doing on this well i'm going to tell you something yeah that's exactly the point is every time i hear every time i hear something of david bowie's i i find something new about it uh yeah, he, yeah. heroes was was no exception i i 
listened yep. to this album and I loved it even more. I mean, I think yeah. last time my choice for songs was Joe the Lion because it was so kind of off the wall and, and different for me. But here I'm yeah. listening to all the other songs. They're brilliant. They're brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's still some kind of meandering instrumental stuff that's that I don't find very compelling. Well, yeah. Um but um the the pretty much all of the songs with vocals mm-hmm. I think are great. Yeah. Um this of course featured the title track as the big single off of this oh, album. Yeah. Iconic. Okay, let's move on to the Dead Boys, Young, Loud, and Snotty. <laughs> Were you familiar with the Dead Boys music I, before? I was familiar vaguely with something called Younger, Louder, and Snottier, um, <laughs> which was... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I want to say was like probably 1989, where they decided, or maybe even later, a little later than that. But they got back together and decided to redo some stuff, you know. And and, and yeah. Uh, but listening to this, I got a real big kick out of it. I I again, I got a kick out of it. I loved it. Yeah, I'm not crazy about this album, and I don't think I'm gonna be crazy about this band. Uh-huh. Um, they. They, I mean, it is an appropriately titled album. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, there's not much more there than just what's on the surface. Um, did you, there, there is a movie um, star, starring Alan Rickman um, called CBGBs. Right, I which haven't is, seen it. Okay. It's not very good, I don't think I, I or rather I don't like the style of it. I think uh-huh. it kind of fails as a movie, but it's got a lot of really good information in it. And so it's a it's an educational experience and my understanding is most of it is pretty accurate. So the the owner of CBGB's he loved the Dead Boys. Well, yeah. And he he actually he actually for a little while actually managed uh, the Dead yes. Boys. Right. Yeah, and they they really spend um, a fair amount of time in the movie covering that, and so it could be that my impression of them being snotty little shitheads is because that's how they're they're portrayed in the movie. So I could be influenced by that, but I just I, I think it's fine. You know, it doesn't go to the next level for me. Um, but the energy is high, um, and there's some good songs. So you, um, we we actually picked the same song off of oh, this. Oh, we did. Great. Called um, "Not Anymore." Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a it's got a real Beatlesque thing at the beginning, doesn't it? It it does, and and of, <laughs> I mean, of course, when you think about punk bands in the '70s, a lot of them were influenced by the Beatles. You know, they were coming coming from that now these guys weren't uk based they were from cleveland ohio but (laughs) but the beatles were still they were very very much a part of the new york cbg they were definitely they they broke their teeth there they played there a lot yeah yeah uh let's go ahead and take a listen to not anymore by the dead boys off of young loud and snotty
in this by the way um and again we're talking about how it feels kind of beatles-esque um but the the song is i have to say it's kind of a downer you know <laughs> when you listen to the lyrics yeah and I, I think the music on this album is pretty good mm-hmm. i they yeah. i'm just not i'm not connecting with the lead vocalist or the lyrics the lyrics aren't bad but they're you know they're kind of nor neither here nor there for me. Well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree and say it was. I I think it's a great song, but but uh, oh yeah, you know, yeah 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 I I'm I'm talking about the album in general. Album in general. I, okay. I yeah yeah. Um, okay, so that brings us to the Runaways. Yeah. So you love the Runaways? Of course. Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. This, uh... Well, um, this is. This album is there is not a trace of of punk left at this point. <laughs> it is it is very solidly they they are in the hard rock lane. Mm-hmm. Now, and that that's not really my favorite kind of music. Now, having said that, if you if you said to me, Joseph, we're going to sit down and we're going to listen to a Runaways album, which one would you pick? I would pick this one. Um, because it really, they, they, it really feels like they're in their lane, like they're, they're more mature, they're, they're completely on top of it. And so while I went, while I was thinking about why, I mean, it's slicker, but not in a bad way, you know, it's, it's, um, it's polished, it's more confident. And so when I was thinking about why I liked this album more, uh, came down to two things. One is it felt like they're 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 much more mature in this one, uh-huh. um, but I suspect that I who who knows it could be that they're just maturing as artists, and I'm sure that has something to do with it. But the first, like particularly the first album, there really felt like a lot of the songs were the the vision of like middle-aged perv pervy white guys <laughs> idea of what a hot female teenage rock band should be yeah and i and i think that that was that was their manager Foley. i, I you agree know? i think that was totally <laughs> totally what was going on now another thing that was so, going on was this is joan jett's first album as lead vocalist well, that was the other thing I was going to bring yeah. up. I, I was also going, man, the vocalist has really got her act together. She doesn't yeah. have all those weird, like, little ticks that bug me so right. much. Right. And then I realized, well, she left the band yeah. and um, Joan Jett took over yeah. 
for vocals. Cherry, so, Cherry Curry had this sassiness about her, this flirty sassiness about her. And uh, when when Joan Jett stepped in, it was more confident and more, you know, less sass and more confidence. Well, and I, and I think that she is just, this is completely subjective, my own personal opinion. I just think that she's she's a better, more talented vocalist. Yeah, totally. Um, Joan, Joan Jett is. Um, I would love to hear this band on this album doing punk. I think yeah. that would have been great. They're just not doing punk. They're doing hard rock. Yeah. So let's uh, listen to a hard rock song, Rob. Well, okay. <laughs> um, you you had said to me, hey, there's not punk. There's no trace of punk on this album. And, and so here we have Runaways, Waiting for the Night. And I dug through it, and I picked out the most punk song I could find. And... Uh, I, I don't know. I dig it. We, we're going to listen to the Trash Can Murders. You got me running around in circles Tied my little brother to a railroad track In the back of the night you sit and pan Cram them all together in a plastic bag You're a night howler You're a night howler Yeah, that I was aware of this band when I was in middle school. You know, when I was listening to Def Leppard and Loverboy and the Scorpions <laughs> and all of that. Because uh, yeah. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> they, you you could have saved some time there. <laughs> um, I, I do think it's, I think, I think it's a great album and it's, they're at a great point in their evolution. And, and uh, a lot of people say that at this point, this is when they became a really good band. So, Yeah. Okay, moving on. So the teaser in the last episode, I asked the question if we're going to hear some more Zolo music, and the answer is no. I was thinking maybe <laughs> we would because um, the Sparks release a new album. This is their seventh album, so of course they title it Introducing Sparks. Um, I And I think that the reason why they chose that is because they're they're obviously making a, a change in their sound for sure. Yeah. So this there this is not a Zolo album um, by any stretch of the imagination. It's still very, very quirky, but it's quirky pop rock. <laughs> pop did rock you how, how, how did you feel about this album? Yeah, I. I only sort of liked this. Well, I guess I liked the album okay. I didn't love the album. Yeah, um, yeah. It really went a direction that I wasn't expecting, like you brought up. Um, and uh, I don't like every song on the album, that's for sure. Yeah, I, um, you know, I struggled with the earlier albums of theirs because they were they were so frenetic and all over the place but this one feels like they course corrected too much right like the energy right. level is is a is a little low for me um however 
I, I really appreciate the the effort that this guy puts into his lyrics. Yeah. So last episode when we were talking about Iggy Pop and we were talking about how Iggy Pop really sounded like he just made up the lyrics 10 minutes before he started recording. <laughs> yeah. Well, this guy um, from uh, the lead singer of Sparks, he is he he is balancing out Iggy Pop in the universe so that so that all is balanced in the universe. I can imagine this guy like for every song sitting sitting at his kitchen table at three o'clock in the morning with a bunch of coffee, just like writing lyrics and then rewriting them and then rewriting them and coming back a week yeah. later and yeah. changing them. And there there is so much care. And it, he's he's really a very clever witty guy now, he's now i've got i've got kind of a funny story about uh, about this i okay. uh, i was trying to dig up some information you know doing some research um for the song i'm not and mm-hmm. neil finn the the vocalist and songwriter um he I, I found all these forums where people were like oh what a great band what a great song and everybody was saying i can't believe how young neil finn was when he wrote this song these lyrics with this writer, it's its amazing. He was like, one guy says, oh, he was 17 when he wrote this song. I wasn't even able to tie my shoes at 17. Somebody else said he was 21 when he wrote this song. I didn't know what the hell I was doing when I was 21. Somebody else said, I can't believe he wrote this song when he was 20 years old. Uh, I have no idea how old he was when he wrote the song. It's a damn good song. I mean, hes he's a good writer. <laughs> well... He couldn't have been 17 because this is their seventh that. album. I know. <laughs> I mean, un- unless he wrote it when he was 17 yeah. and dug it out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so let's uh, go ahead and uh, take a listen to I'm Not by the Sparks off of their seventh album titled Introducing Sparks. I'm not. This song was a big surprise to me. Um, I obviously I like this song a lot because I, I chose it. But um, oh, uh, this is actually another one I would have picked. This is a this is great. a first pick for both of us. I uh, there were like three or four songs I really liked, and this was at the top of my list. I, that's that's really good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Um, but yeah, obviously he wasn't 17 years old. He may have been in his early to mid 20s. <laughs> but he's a, he's a good writer. Speaking of Iggy Pop, he releases his third yeah. album um, with James Williamson called Kill City. We are not going to play a song of this album because we talked about this album in the last episode. That was our deep dive um, episode 4A. 
Um, this was not an album that either of us were too crazy about. Yeah, you know, that's that's true. I wasn't too crazy about it. Um, going back and listening to it again, I found a couple songs that I really liked, and uh, I did some research on those songs. And the, this is the thing with me and Iggy Pop. It's Most of what I love about Iggy Pop is Iggy Pop, not necessarily the songs or, or all of the songs, because I do love his music. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I always find him interesting. And, and one of the things that I learned was that the song jo- Joanna was written about a real person and uh i I just thought it was that it was really cool she she's actually a person who inspired a lot of the stooges 1973 raw power album so she was somebody who Uh had had an influence on iggy pop cool um so as we mentioned in in the deep dive episode this was an album that was recorded after the stooges broke up right but couldn't they couldn't get it released until after Iggy Pop had the success with the two David Bowie produced albums. Right. So this was before punk broke and it's not if you're if you're dabbling in Iggy Pop, this is not one of the first albums you should check out <laughs> right. because it is it is it's, very it's different. Yeah. Well, was, yeah, I mean it's it's good for the kind of music it is, but it's it's very much an anomaly. Ready to move on to uh the second damned album? Yeah, sure. So this was um Music for Pleasure. It was their second album. We talked about this in the mini dive that we did on the damned in um episode two, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you liked this album a lot more than I did, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's funny too because I think I even like it a little bit more now that I've listened to it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I listened to it again, and I, I, it still really doesn't do anything for me. Uh-huh. Um, the probably the most famous song off of this album is the one that you picked called "Problem yeah. Child." It shows up. It's shown up in the soundtrack for several movies um, over the years, and I feel like this song "Problem Child" sort of sums sums up the whole album so if you like this song you'll probably like the rest of the album i just i think i don't think there's anything wrong with this song i just think it's a little uninspired and kind of obvious there's it there's nothing terribly creative about it it doesn't hook me i just feel kind of eh about it yeah well let's listen to it stealing cars lost in bars treating high tiffies like superstars Problem Child, I, I think you're right that it kind of sums up the whole album. You know, I tried 
to uh, find a song that wasn't going to be the obvious choice. In this album, it was really hard. I mean, I, I like I said, I like this album a little bit more, but Problem Child is just my favorite song on the album. Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a really simple, straightforward song, and that's um, nothing wrong with that. Just yeah. just doesn't really <laughs> hook me. All right, let's talk about the Jam's second album. This yeah. is the Modern World. How about now? That? I remember you were um, you were kind of eh about mm-hmm. the first album, as I was. Yeah. How how are you feeling about this one? Well, blown away, man. I, I, yeah. Seriously. Um, yeah. 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 I went. I even went back and listened to the first album, and uh, yeah. I still I feel a little bit better about the first album, but only yeah. because I think the second album kicks ass. Well, when I was um, right out of high school, I think I bought. I think I got both of their first two albums on vinyl, mm-hmm. used at the same time, and to me, they were always kind of interchangeable. But yeah. I don't know yeah. why I thought that because yeah, I, I think not- that this album is. A huge improvement uh, over over the first one. I mean, he's um, they're they're really getting their act together and and writing yeah. distinct songs as opposed to just banging out a bunch of punk songs. And and this is this is a, a punk band that knows. I mean, this feels like this is a punk band that knows what they're doing. They've got a purpose, you know. Um, yeah. They, yeah. They give yeah. me chills, man. So tell me why you picked uh, the combine because okay. uh, this is not my favorite song. I, I think it's a good song, but I had like four or five that were on my list, and this was not one of them. So I'm yeah. curious what what attracted you to this song. Well, I was going through all their songs, and I was reading the lyrics and listening to the music, and I, I feel like this song could have been another punk anthem. I feel like it could have. Uh, you know, it's it's it does feel like it's it speaks to the feeling of like being trapped, claustrophobic, confining, limiting. You know, needing to break out and and make something, make noise, make you know, uh, just kick doors down. And I I, I kind of like that. I kind of gravitate towards that kind of that kind of attitude when it comes to punk music. Um, and of course it again this is another song that kind of made me a little sad to think about <laughs> but it's loud and clear uh that to me the, it, the message comes through loud and clear it's just I, I think it's a great punk song and life is very different when you're in a crowd when you're in a crowd you see things as they really are So this was the first 
time, the jam had a, a fairly sizable hit in the UK uh, with the with the single "The Modern World" off of this album. So they're they're really gaining some momentum at this point. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, talk about the Heartbreakers um, with the album, their only album called. L-A-M-F. Remind us what that stands for again, Rob. Like a motherfucker. Like a motherfucker. So we talked about this band and this album in episode four when we did our mini dive on Richard Hell. Because Richard Hell was in this band, (laughs) not for the recording of this band, but... As as other bands. um, He was... Yeah, yeah. Um, So we are not going to play a song off of this. Um... Uh, when we did talk about this album, we played the the single Chinese Rock, mm-hmm. which is, in my estimation, by far the best song off of the album. Yeah, the the a, rest a, of the album doesn't do much for a, me. It's a really great Ramones song. <laughs> yeah, was it one or two members from the New York Dolls that that started this band? I can't remember. It was two members, right? You know, I I want to say it was two. I to yeah, be honest, I yeah. can't recall, but yeah, I think yeah. it was two. Yeah, and it's it's still the music for the most part, except for the song that was written by Dee Dee Ramone. Supposedly, sound supposedly, supposedly um, <laughs> sound sound a little bit too much like the New York Dolls, like '70s boogie yeah. woogie rock and roll for for my taste. Yeah. Speaking of Ramones, the yeah, Ramones yeah. release "Rocket to Russia." Um, the hit singles off of this album were Sheena's a Punk Rocker, Rockaway Beach, and Do You Wanna Dance? Um, Rolling Stone magazine thinks that uh, Sheena's a Punk Rocker is the 457th greatest song of all time, <laughs> and that this album is the 106th greatest album of all time. Well, you know, I love I love the Ramones, and I love Sheena's a Punk Rocker. Uh I don't I don't know exactly where I'd put it on my favorite songs, but it's it's up there pretty high. Yeah. So what song are we gonna hear today? Oh, so I decided to uh you know, give him some real deep listening and, and uh I, I picked I don't know why, but I picked another sad tune. Um I I was just feeling kind of down in the dumps, I guess. I don't know. But I picked a, a really interesting song by Joey Ramone, and it makes me sad that Joey Ramone is gone. So this is Here Today and Gone Tomorrow. Oh, 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 I love you.
I think it's a classic. Of course, everything by the Ramones is a classic, but it's definitely yeah. to me this is a Joey song, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, it brought up a lot of brought up a lot of like you know misty thoughts, little teary eyes, and you know. <laughs> so. So you know how I feel about this song. I do. It doesn't do much for you. I kind of like it. Oh, it's all okay. right. Yeah, this is what I thought. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. How I feel about every Ramon song. <laughs> Pretty much. They all, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, that brings us to the Throbbing Gristles. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, before, so we go into a... the thro- before we go into Throbbing Gristle. Yeah. This is the album that I listened to after I listened to the Ramones. And it kind of <laughs> it kind of pulled me out of my funk. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so we are um, we are mentioning this album because it is quite often um, uh, referenced as one of the very first industrial music albums um, ever released. In yeah. fact, the reason why industrial music is called industrial music is because this band started a label called Industrial. Yeah. So this is how key it is. Now... Emphasis on industrial, no emphasis on music. Um, it is a soundscape of various uh, found and made sounds. Um, there's, there's, I mean, it is music in the very most lenient abstract sense. Um, it's, we're not going to play anything from it. Um, because we, uh, how, how do you decide what to play? Yeah, um, exactly. exactly. Uh, but it was worth noting we're, um, I don't know how much industrial we're going to cover, um, in this, this podcast, but it is worth noting that the Throbbing Gristles released, um, in November of 1977, an album called the Second Annual Report which is uh, often referenced as one of the, if not the first, industrial music album. I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I have to admit that I couldn't listen to the whole thing. Like, I mean, I've listened to the whole thing, but I can't listen to track by track by track and just, you know, this is, this yeah. is something that kind of kind of gets yeah. inside you if you listen to too yeah. much too yeah. closely. <laughs> Now we get to talk about Wire. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. So any of you out there who have forgotten or did not listen to our favorite punk um, bands of all time episode, this, I believe, is my number two. Um, and I love this band. Um, Pink Flag was released in 1977 um, in um, November, and it is uh, the most critically revered of the Wire albums. Um, They put out three albums and then broke up for about 10 years and then got (laughs) back together and put out a whole bunch of other albums um, where they, they sounded like wire in their sensibilities but the actual sounds that they were making were very different uh, um do you, I, and 
I'm yeah, sorry, I ahead. didn't actually do the research on this part, but did they retain the same musicians? Yes, they did. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, and we will um, definitely be talking a lot more about Wire. Um, this is, of the three original albums, this is my least favorite, because I like it when they get um, a little less punk and a little bit more experimental in the structure but still a lot of great songs off of this album well the, um, the album has a lot of songs on it anyway i mean it's a big yeah. album yeah so when we when i played a wire song for the best punk bands um, I played a song off of this album called 12XU. Actually, right. at the beginning of every episode, the very first thing you hear where the guy talks about Here It Is Again, that is Wire doing the beginning of 12XU. Um, tonight, we're going to listen to a song called X Lion Trainer. There's great danger. For the sixth greatest punk album of all time. What? And the yeah the sixth. Wow. Sixth. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, it's their 412th greatest album of all time, yeah. not just punk album. Yeah. Um, well, this was so in the teaser for this episode, I said that we were going to take a look at two two of the most, if not the two most influential punk bands mm -hmm. of this era. Uh, and this is one of them. No, totally. I mean, you, uh, the, the number of artists who were inspired by, um, wire is, is a long list indeed. Um, one of the most famous songs off of this album is the song strange because REM did a cover of it. Mm -hmm. Um, off of the Document album, I believe. Uh, so REM, they, they were huge fans of Wire. Well, they, they even influenced one of my favorites, Henry Rollins. Mm -hmm. and, oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, yeah. Henry Rollins borrowed from X Lion Trainer for yeah. Drive-By Shooting. So, yeah, it, yeah. yeah they're big. And w we talked in a previous episode about how... Um, the publishers of the Stranglers music sued Elastica. Right. Well, they got sued by Wire's publishers as well. <laughs> <laughs> so Elastica was obviously very influenced by Wire. So 
Love Wire. This is a great album. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to talk more about yeah, I'm, why. I'm, I, I can't wait till we get to the album 154 because that's my favorite and I think that's going to be right up your alley. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. I heard this yeah. album and I got all excited. I mean, this is, yeah. it is a really good album and it's huge. Like I said, there's like 20 something tracks on this album. Yeah. It's yeah. Big. Yeah. And they're all. 40 seconds long They're or a short. minute and a half long. They, or... they are. But you know how many, you have 20 tracks and it, they have you spinning in all different directions. It, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That brings us to Eddie and the Hot Rods. Mm-hmm. Poor Eddie and the Hot Rods. <laughs> there, I just don't think they're ever going to get any love from me. Um, this was a this was a weird album. So the first several songs sounded sounded very much like they were they were going in like a wannabe cheap trick mm-hmm. direction, and then. Later on in the album, they start sounding like mid-80s L.A. hair bands. And it was just, none of it was working for me. Um, they they did have um, their biggest hit, I believe it was their biggest hit in the U.K. called Do Anything You Want to Do. Right, yeah. So, but that's not the song we're going to listen to no. today. No, no. Um <laughs> I've I've listened to this album a couple of times and I I just I threw my hands up and I went whatever Rob picks is fine with me, <laughs> um, and this is this is actually a pretty solid song. I, I have nothing nothing negative to say about this song. Yeah, I uh, I chose what's really going on, or I don't know what's really going on, depending on where you look at it. But I don't know what's really going on. Two things like all the others, it comes and goes the same. Too many lazy hours that cloud up my brain. My friends are all surrounded, they're just the same as me. The past has been forgotten and the future's all the same. But I don't know what's really going on. I got to stop before my time is gone. But I don't know what's really going on. I got to stop before my time is gone. solid song too and I have to say there's a bit in there that makes me think of uh, you know late 90s early 2000s Red Hot Chili Peppers like I'm wondering if maybe they got some influence from Eddie and the Hot Rods I, I, I that really? might be giving Eddie and the Hot Rods a little too much credit and it's just a little bit but <laughs> but who knows <laughs> yeah you ready to talk about suicide? Um, it's always a heavy topic. Can we just talk about the band? <laughs> so we finally get a talk about the suicide album. We've been talking about suicide for a while now. We Love finally get to hear their first album. So they, of course, were around in the early, early 70s. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get a record deal. Influenced a lot of bands. Finally, they release um, their debut album called Suicide. Um, this is uh, Rolling Stone's greatest album of all time, number 441. Yeah. 
How, how are you feeling about this album? This sounds like a Rob album. I love this album. You know I, I love this album. Um, yeah. I listened to this album four times. Okay. Yeah. And 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 then I chose several tracks that I really, really, really liked on this album. And I listened to those even more. So this is definitely a Rob album. And then I, doing my research, I learned so much about them. They influenced everybody as well. They They influenced a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let me guess. Let me guess. You didn't like this album. <laughs> no, I. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It was. I was not prepared for this album to be like dream baby dream, over and over and over again, just with with different different sounds and mm. a couple in different words but but the the constructions are are basically they they come up with this sort of like throbbing soundscape yeah and then the 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 lyricist comes up with a couple of words in some songs it's literally just four or five words and then he just kind of figures out how many different ways he can say those words and and different <laughs> sounds he can make and I appreciate that but it was like each new song when I realized oh okay we're doing this again it really started to feel like kind of a one trick pony kind to of me. a gimmick now, now there's no not a gimmick so much as just they, they just stay in their lane they've got yeah, one okay. thing and they do that thing there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's to me, it's not a not a great trick. You know, it's not an album sustaining um, trick. It, but I do appreciate them, yeah. and I just want to say that my impression. I wrote down my impression. It's like, it's almost like poetry on soundscape, except for typically when you when you have poets with music or sounds in the background it the poetry is about the words but this isn't about the words so much as is about the different way that this guy can say those words and so it's like a poetry of execution oh. which is which is interesting and i love it i love that idea on an abstract yeah. level yeah. but a whole album of it it was a little rough for me i see um what is this song that you picked from this Inter album yeah interesting this when i found out that this song was on this album it blew my mind i'm really embarrassed to say this but i'm amongst friends here so i'm going to say it uh i'm a big fan of the song ghostwriter and i always assumed it was a henry rollins song um and, uh, uh, so, so you're familiar with this as a covers, as, as covered yeah. by a different artist, oh, by, by and it's been covered by dozens of artists. I mean, this is a song really? that lots of people have covered, um, which is shocking to me because I've never heard any other version of it besides Henry Rollins. The song was uh -huh. used in the movie The Crow, and uh -huh. and it was it was huge. It's a great song. So when I heard this. I mean, I got chills, and I, I cranked it up, and I, I don't know, I went nuts. It's a, it's a killer song. So this is, this is Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider, motorcycle hero. He's a looking so cute. Sneaking round, round, round. 
Interesting to hear how their sound evolves when we get to their second album, or if it evolves at all. Um, because right now, to me, they're they're very much sounding like a one-trick pony. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. I found a new band that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna enjoy. Um, yeah. My next, my neck as I mentioned, the Ghostwriter, uh, as I mentioned, all the, the cover artists, the people that covered that song, uh, Soft Cell is one of those. I'm gonna branch off and listen to some Soft Cell to see if uh, they pulled it off okay. But they, I mean, they're definitely. They, it, I think you're right in that that they were experimental and then they found a thing they like and they just stuck with it and they kind of, they kind of clung to it. But I find the yeah. song, I find the album a lot of fun. Yeah. Now we get to talk about stinky toys. I had a feeling this was going to be one you really loved. <laughs> so here, here is, um, here's the thing about the stinky toys. There, there is, <laughs> there's a lot of cool things about the stinky toys. There, they are uh, a very late addition to my list. Uh-huh. I think I just, I stumbled across them maybe a month ago, because sometimes I go trolling through lists and playlists to see if there's any bands that I missed. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that this is the first female-led English-language punk band to put out a full album. Okay. Does that sound right? You know, um, we, we, I can't dispute we haven't, it. I mean, you could. I mean, you could talk. Maybe uh, you can kind of talk about Blondie's first album being a punk band. Mm-hmm. I mean, a punk album, uh, and there is some punk to it. But this, this is the the first one that's really sounding like full tilt punk to me. Like they're a punk so this, band. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Never heard of the Stinky Toys before. They only put out one album. They were the this obscure little French band that sings all or mostly in English. And frankly, I can't tell when they're when she's singing in French and when she's singing in <laughs> English because it's so unintelligible. But I really like this album. I think the the music is is pretty great um it was uh originally released as the stinky toys and then re-released as plastic faces um they were not well received and so they didn't their career didn't go anywhere and they broke up and And, and several artists had um uh solo careers that's really too bad too because uh, apparently from what i understand they were Right there, when the punk movement was happening in the UK, there was a, a thing called the hundred, the one hundred club punk festival, and it featured eight bands, which were unsigned punk bands, um, that kind of helped blow up 
and help push the the emerging punk scene in in London and they were one of those eight bands so yeah yeah so the 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 music on this album cooks <laughs> yeah it does and uh, and uh, there are some really interesting arrangements um I think probably my favorite song off this album is City Life. So let's take a listen to that now. want to note that there is also a song on here which is probably one of the greatest song titles ever called uh, Pepe Gestapo which I just <laughs> think is hilarious what an awesome name for a punk song anything else about the sticky toys you want to no there is well they're a new addition to my uh rotation i really enjoy them yeah yeah so me too me too i'm i'm really excited about this this band so that brings us to the last release of the fall of 77 by by a little band nobody's ever heard of yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) we finally get to talk about the sex pistols and that is going to be the subject of our mini dive today why are we doing a mini dive on probably the most influential punk band of all time and not a deep dive? Well, because they, they only released one studio only album. Only have one studio album. V- very famously. So yeah. before we get into that, you um, let's pick our our best in show of fall of '77. Um, I feel like. This is a no-brainer as far as what you're going to pick. And I I knew this before we even started recording. I knew this this afternoon. Um, uh, your your best in show has got to be Suicide, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Oh man, what a great what a great album. Yeah. Yeah, so Rob. <laughs> mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was of the um of all the rundown episodes we've done, this is the the hardest one for me to pick because uh-huh. um, there's not one single one that just absolutely leaps out at me. Um, you know, the the obvious one is Wire, but I don't I don't really I like listening to songs off of that album i don't like to sit down and listen to the full album all together because it's just it's a little it's just a little too much for me um sex pistols very very influential album um but i i don't i you know um 
and then of course stinky toys is is a real contender for me but i think i if if i if i were going to sit down for my own enjoyment and listen to an album all the way through from this list here i think it's got to be ultravox again yeah i had a feeling you were going to say that so ultravox ultravox as far as joseph is concerned is killing 1977 (laughs) um i i love ha 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 i think it's a i think it's a great album yeah so good so good okay so let's talk about the sex pistols um everybody knows everything about the sex pistols i don't i mean how much do you want to go into the history of the sex pistols you want to assume that that our listeners don't have never heard of the Sex Pistols? Uh, I think that they've heard of the Sex Pistols, but I think that they'd like some information about them that they, I don't know, do we, do, do okay, they, well, do we know anything that we can tell them that they don't know? I mean... I, I, okay, so um, they, um, the Sex Pistols evolved from a band called The Strand with Steve Jones and Paul Cook. Right. And then Johnny Rotten is the lead singer, and uh, Glenn Matlock, mm-hmm. that was the original lineup. The bass player. Yeah, and, yeah. Right. Yeah, and then Glenn Matlock left, and Sid Vicious replaced Glenn Matlock. Sid Vicious very, very famously was an awful musician. Right. He yeah. was, for, <laughs> for a brief moment... He was the drummer in um, for the band that sort of evolved in Susie and the Banshees. Right, this is true. Um, but he was supposedly their bass player. Couldn't play bass. Very famously, he he is nowhere on the album. Uh, Never mind the Bullocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. He, he did supposedly. He, he played on. He played on bodies. Well, yeah, so there's conflicting uh, reports about that. So he uh, technically played on it, but um, uh, some band members say that that part was mixed so low that you can't actually hear okay. it. Yeah, so what so, happened was he, um, he played on bodies, and then they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, they ended up yeah. getting Steve Jones to play bass. Um, yeah, the guitar which, player, and actually, Glenn Glenn Matlock came back and did as a as a, uh, si- a studio session player and did some bass. And there are conflicting reports about how much he contributed. Yeah. Right. Some what? say not much at all. Um, Johnny Rotten says that he he uh, contributed a lot. So what, now, what what I had heard was that he was offered to come back, and he said he'd do it if he got paid in advance. And they didn't pay him, so he flipped them off and didn't didn't uh, actually uh-huh. perform. But yeah, who knows? I mean, okay. so I wonder if Rolling Stone has anything to say about the Sex Pistols, Rob? They must. Come on now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rolling Stone thinks that um, this album is the third greatest punk album of all time. Hell yeah. <laughs> and the 41st greatest album of all time. That's interesting. Uh, they think that Anarchy in the UK is the 53rd greatest song of all time. God Save the Queen is the 92nd greatest song of all time. 
And um, the Sex Pistols are number 58 on the Rolling Stones' 100 Greatest Artists of All Time list. So Rolling Stones, they love trailblazers. Um, I, I just got it. How, how do you feel about this album? I really like this album, actually. I mean, it mm-hmm. it was probably the first real punk album I ever heard. And yep. um, I don't know. To me, it just screams UK punk all over it. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know. Yep. So yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. So do I. I. I've I've had this album in one format or another since I was in high school. Yeah. And totally. I can't say for certain, but I think there's a chance that I have never listened to this album all the way through in one sitting um <laughs> yeah. I, it's just it's the it's just a little bit too much for me um even even when i was preparing for this episode i listened to it in chunks uh-huh. um and uh the, it, there's no denying um their importance and their achievements um and um they're they're a very significant band but it wasn't on my list of top 10 favorite punk um artists Mm -hmm. and i don't believe it was for you either was it no not 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 really i mean uh, they're influential and they're iconic yep but it's a big pool to swim in so uh, yeah (laughs) didn't quite make it yeah, uh, they they're definitely in um, the category of appreciate more than I enjoy. Um, so, right. yeah. So uh, let's listen to some music. Um, uh, they only put out one studio album, so we're going to listen to several cuts off of that album. The first one um, is a song called Submission. I'm on a submarine mission. famous things about the Sex Pistols and about this album. Um, one of, well, I'm sh- as I'm sure you know, um, Susie from Susie and the Banshees was one of their little groupies. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. There's and you a... can't, in that... You're you're going to talk about the famous interview, aren't you? Yes, I was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, and and partly because it kind of it kind of uh, connects to a song that I chose. Um, yeah. But th- there's that famous interview on TV where they uh, they were on the Today program with uh, uh, Bill Grundy and Susie's yeah. standing there in the background, and he's like, "You're not afraid to be with these guys," and she's like, "No, I like them." And 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 he says something to her. She says, "Oh, I'm I'm." 
I was uh, really glad to be here, or I really wanted to meet you. And he's like, oh, you want to meet me? Well, how about you meet me backstage or something to that effect? Yeah. And, uh, oh, gosh, I can't even remember which band member it was, but they're like, Steve well, Jones. A, yeah, Steve. So he, Steve basically says to him, uh, you're you're kind of a, an ass or something to that effect. Basically pointing out he's, you're a dirty old bastard or something, I think is what he said. Yeah, yeah. Um, because Susie was young. I mean, he's yeah. hitting on yeah. a young girl here. And, uh, yeah. and of course, Grundy, the host of the show, said that he was drunk, so he really wasn't, yeah. you know, well, he, <laughs> all together. He, he, keeps, he keeps egging on Steve yeah. Jones, and so Steve Jones just keeps swearing at him and, you know, calling him, calling him some nasty words, which apparently, I guess it was live because it yeah. went out, and that was probably the greatest publicity stunt the Sex Pistols could have done because... Boy, it uh, it well. really put them like, you know. And it should be noted that so this is the this is December of 1977. Mm-hmm. So we have heard many, many, many UK punk albums at this time. So somebody who didn't have a sense of history or context would think, oh well, what's the big deal about these Sex Pistols? Yeah, because they're. There's so much stuff that came before them, but the Sex Pistols were first, and pretty much all of the bands that we've listened to from the UK at this point, either directly, usually directly, or sometimes indirectly, were influenced by the Sex Pistols. The Sex Pistols, they were just such lightning rods and so difficult to work with that they just they put out singles but they couldn't get an album they'd been they'd been around since 1975 so everybody out there that was you know from 76 forward everybody those guys they all knew the sex pistols yeah by the way that iconic tv episode i believe was the end of bill grundy's uh uh, career in TV there, <laughs> but it and it was also the end of their contract with EMI because it was terminated. Yeah, uh, because yeah. of what happened. Yeah, and, uh, that's the song I chose. Was EMI. It's an unlimited supply, and there is no reason why. I tell you, it was all a frame. They only did it because of fame. I mean, the, the Sex Pistols, they really made a splash. And, and uh, a lot of these, the, I think four of the songs off of this album were originally released as singles and just kept topping the charts. Um, so the, the, the biggest ones were Anarchy in the UK, God Save the Queen, Holiday in the Sun, and Pretty Vacant which is the third song we're going to listen to tonight.
You up for one more song? Yeah, of course. Okay, what do you want to hear? Uh, I, I want to hear No Feelings. <laughs> well, then we will hear No Feelings by the Sex Pistols off the album, Never Mind the Bullocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. Frank, if if once you start reading about the Sex Pistols, it was kind of a small miracle that they got one album out, yeah. that they lasted <laughs> as long as, as they did. Because they were, you know, there's a lot of punk bands coming up where it's all, you know, it's all bluster. It's all, it's all faked and for show. But um, the Sex Pistols, they, they truly were completely in total chaos you know um they were they were the real the real thing um punk, and punk people rock at were, its core <laughs> people were scared shitless of the sex pistols you know back in the day they were they they truly were that's when punk was was at its most threatening <laughs> yeah Okay, so we uh, we're doing we got everything done. I wasn't sure we were going to be able to fit I everything know. in. We we really just blasted through this. And and it was a huge a huge playlist, huge playlist. <laughs> that brings us to the end of 1977. So, we've got some announcements to make about the show moving forward. Um, we are getting close to the end of season one of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the yeah. history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1976 to 1986. It's hard to believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I believe it. I'm actually, I'm feeling very ready for a break. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, here's how it's going to work. We are going to spend all of next month, all of November... Wrapping up 1977, celebrating 1977. Yeah. How are we going to do that, Rob? Uh, well, we've got our best of 77, our best of show. Uh, yeah. And then we've got our four to explore. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about both of those. Oh no, let's let's talk about scheduling a little bit. So um, we've got. Two episodes coming out in November, Four to Explore and The Best of 1977. We'll talk about those in detail in a second. Um, we are going to take December off. And then season two um, will start in January. And we're going to jump right into 1978. Yeah. So let's talk about four to explore so rob is going to pick two albums from 1977 i'm going to pick two albums and we're going to listen to four more songs off of each of those albums these are going to be albums that we feel like we just couldn't do justice um 
and are are significant enough or or um, uh, deep enough to really go in and listen to four more songs so we can fully appreciate uh, what an interesting or awesome album it is. We haven't decided what those albums are going to be, but we will announce it in the next episode, which is our deep dive episode. So what band are we going to do a deep dive on in two weeks? I'm excited about this. I am so excited about this. This is a deep dive on Wire. Yes, of course. Wire. So excited about it. Okay, so let's talk about our best of 1977 episode. Yes. So we are going to need your participation. And by you, I mean you, the listener. So we are going to solicit your top five albums of 1977. Um, And you can get that list to us one of several ways. You can either post it on either our Instagram or Facebook um, pages. Or if you're a little shy, you can just send us a direct message via either of those. Or if you're not a social media person, you can send us an email. So Rob, why don't you tell them how to do that? Yeah, so you can email us at deepdives.deepcuts at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye open very closely for your for your emails. Of course, uh, Deep Dives and Deep Cuts at you know Facebook, Instagram. We've got a Twitter as well. You can probably look us up there and send us what you want, but... Uh, Definitely give us your your list. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask that you not do it via Twitter, not via um, Twitter. because I think that's gonna be a little chaotic to, to tally up. I so guess it can, yeah. If yeah, so yeah. let's do it either through Facebook, um, Instagram, or email. Yeah. Okay. So let's refresh our listeners on every single relevant release that was. Um, put out in 1977 all right so we've got david bowie with low the ramones with leave home runaways with queens of noise the damned with damn damn damned peter gabriel with peter gabriel or car the saints with i'm stranded television with marky moon ultravox with ultravox iggy pop with the idiot stranglers with ratus norvegicus the Vibrators with Pure Mania, The Jam with In the City, The Clash with The Clash, Richard Hell and the Voidoids with Blank Generation, Elvis Costello's My Aim is True, Split Ends, Dysrhythmia. I'm oh, glad, you with that. To, glad you had to say that, not me. <laughs> Boomtown Rats with the Boomtown Rats. The Boys with The Boys, and Ian Dury with New Boots and Panties. Yeah. Iggy Pop's Lust for Life, The Stranglers with No More Heroes, Talking Heads, Talking Heads 77, David Bowie's Heroes, The Dead Boys with Young Loud and Snotty, Runaways with Waiting for the Night, Sparks with Introducing Sparks, Ultravox Ha Ha Ha, The Heartbreakers with L.A.M.F., the Damned, Music for Pleasure, Iggy Pop, 
Kill City that jams This Is the Modern World, Ramones, Rocket to Russia, Throbbing Gristles, The Second Annual Report, Wires, Pink Flag, Eddie and the Hot Rods, Life on the Line, Suicide with Suicide, Stinky Toys with Stinky Toys, also known as Plastic Faces, and the Sex Pistols with Nevermind the Bullocks, Here's the Sex Pistols. Nice. That's, now, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So this list will be posted on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. So um, you can go there to check out that list. Once again, if you're not uh if you just don't do social media at all, you can send us an email and we will send you, we'd be happy to send you the list. Yeah, absolutely. So please send us your top five and make it clear your number one pick down to your number five pick. If you don't number it, we're just going to assume that your top one is number one and your bottom one is number five. Um, but for clarity's sake, if you could actually number them, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, so we are going to do this at the end of every year that we cover. So we'll do this for 78, 79, etc. Um, I just want to point out that right now we have only been publishing this podcast for a little under four months. So our listenership is still pretty small, but it's growing rapidly. So when you vote, down the road your vote could be just a drop in the ocean but right now when you vote for 1977 your vote is going to be more like a drop in a thimble or (laughs) i'm not quite sure what the equivalent it's going to be a huge big swimming pool dropped into a bigger swimming pool i don't know i don't know if any of that makes sense except for the fact that uh Right now, you have a better chance of winning than you would, say, down the road. <laughs> well, your vote, your, your vote every, is going to have a have a big bigger impact for sure. Yeah, every vote counts. So, <laughs> I I am so excited about about seeing what um what other people think. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, yeah. We got to the end of of seventy seven. I'm really looking forward to the next three episodes. In, in introducing you to Wire, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. And then the, the the four to explore is is gonna be so much fun. And then of course, the most exciting one is gonna be the best of seven. Well, I'm practically bouncing a, in my seat for Wire. I I, I know. I, I'm stoked. Yeah. What a what a great way to end season one. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Rob. This has been a lot of fun. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Great. Thanks, Joseph. Take care.